2: Or call 562 314 4603 for more details. Hyundai,
4: there's joy in every journey. You are listening to Winning on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio.
0: My check. Oh, sometimes life can just go and throw you a corkscrew. So you gotta go and just look for someone to talk to. Places you don't get to go, but you better make sure it's professional. But that should be always costing extra though So you gotta go to work and try to make some extra dough. Telling people about your feelings, they saying it's just for show. But I guess it's just life, don't accept it though. I'm so damn mad it's making my head explode. Rat race, cat chase, where my credit go. Try to stay out the state pen and the federal. Dope Knife, Lingua Franca, we the best for show. Buckle up, we about to begin the show. Oh, oh, oh. Yo. Hey. Ayo. What is going on, party people? You are listening to Dope Knife.
4: And Lingua Franca.
0: We are the duo known as Waiting on Reparation. Hurry up. You know, this is the show where we talk hip hop and politics, all that jazz. You know how it is. Follow us like subscribe do all this we don't we don't give these plugs enough i think i think we need to start we're too
4: saying. humble we are we even rappers like what is think- this we're just like well, well if you if you would like to give five stars on the apple podcast <laughs> it app, would really help that would make me feel better
0: Oh man, how are you doing?
4: I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah. Things are going well over here. How you been?
0: I've been good, yo, hanging in and maintaining, you know. It's it's the the episode that we got today kind of it's a it's a good thing because it's like, you know, the the weight of everything just kinda of getting to you to get into heads a little bit. And you know, I had to take a little break in a breather and kind of shut myself down for about a day or two just to have some alone time. I know yeah. you're probably you're probably going through the rigors of it, right? Oh man,
4: now. yeah. I went to my uh, my my grandmother's house in North Carolina over the weekend just so that she could meet her great grandson. But then I just I just slept for like 12 hours a day. Oh, shit. I didn't I didn't realize I was that tired until I got out into like the middle of nowhere, this farm in like very rural like country bumpkin North Carolina. Uh, you know, other people, aunties and who, whatnot, watching the baby, and I just like let my guard down and just allowed myself to sleep. It's it crazy. Help? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I probably still even need more and still probably need even more sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, I apparently really needed it. But it's just crazy like how you can be running and running and running and not realize how depleted you are until you actually let yourself like rest. You're like, "Oh shit." So I was you, actually wrecked right now.
0: So, like, do you think that, like, your rest did more for you physically or your your, your mental?
4: Both. I think it's all, you know, we our, mind, our bodies and minds are, you know, one big pool of goo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, yeah, the physical rest also helping my mental a little bit. Um, for sure. Definitely. Definitely.
0: That's good. We all, everybody needs... It takes some times to rest the mentals. I like how we're like straight up using like 90s jargon. You got you got to re- you got to rest those mentals. Son. <laughs> you, gotta rest the mentals. <laughs> you got to relax your mentals. So what do we got for the people today?
4: But yeah, today we are going to be talking about mental health in hip hop, um, both the sources of mental anguish within hip hop communities and how those have been um, expressed through the music of folks like Ghetto Boys um, and then barriers as well to access to mental health care. Um, expressed in music from Aesop Rock to um, Dave from his algo, album Psychodrama, um, so yeah, we're gonna go through. We might, we might even talk a little bit about our own personal healing.
0: Yeah, the, through
4: through the music.
0: It's um, like shit. If yeah. you if you really, I mean, you know, we're gonna. I guess we're gonna specifically be talking about, you know, like overt examinations of like how you know mental health is dealt with in hip-hop but really if you just listen to all of this stuff it's like one big therapy session at the end of the day well, like whether,
4: somebody's, well, whether somebody's like flexing about like you know diamonds on their wrists or being very real about like struggles all of it is a cope all of yeah. it is a cope yeah I mean, cope. I, and if they healthy and i think largely a healthy one is that as as compared to other ways that people may seek to remedy their internal strife so
0: yeah well i mean you know we've covered it before that hip-hop was kind of started as a big coping mechanism you know what i'm saying it's like right, you know, yeah i don't i don't want to fight i'm angry enough to fight this dude but shit let's just work it out on the mic or let's let's break dance in the streets you know what I'm saying? exactly so. exactly well, yeah, we're gonna I... get
4: into all that. Wait, or did you want to talk about? You wanted you had something you wanted to talk about. You had some. Oh on well, your mind. I mean, you know,
0: when 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 you approached me about, you know, I'm I am a fan of the sports balls. You know, se- several of the sports ball sports I'm a fan of. So when you were uh, mentioning that we should do this episode, it had me thinking about a story that's going on in the sports world right now with uh, Philadelphia 76ers player Ben Simmons, and he's been having, you know, for those of you who don't know, he's been having disputes with his team. He's there's two sides to every story, so I'm not even getting into that. But he's trying to sit out, but still get paid. And he can't sit out and get paid for not playing. So, you know, he's he's come after several attempts of going back and forth with the team. He's now come out and said that he has met, uh, he's going through a, you know, a mental crisis of sorts, or he's having, you know, he's not mentally prepared to join the team. And, you know, the team has been supportive. It seems like the fan base is supportive. The media is kind of being agnostic about it, but it's kind of started up a, a discussion about when is it fair to question the motives of someone's claims of, you know, mental anguish and stuff like that. And everyone's being very sensitive. I mean, you know what? It, the, 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 I guess the, the cool thing about it for me, seeing it play out is I feel like five years ago, this wouldn't even have been a debate. Whether he's right or wrong in the matter, I think like five years ago, if he'd come out and been like, hey guys, now I'm having some mental issues. I think that just off the bat, everybody would been like, oh, it's bullshit. You're lying, you lie! Yeah, you know what I mean? That's not Release true. At least
4: reached a place for people to take people's mental health claims seriously.
0: Exactly, exactly. Because it
4: has been destigmatized to a degree. Thanks in part to things like hip hop, I would say.
0: Exactly, and just, you know, empathy too. You know what I'm saying? like. Yeah. It could be us you know what i'm saying and we can't read anybody's mind to tell what they're thinking but i yeah. mean that was just like a, just one of those pop cultural things that i was following that made the episode seem like oh man this is this really relates to stuff that i'm into right now
4: yeah and i mean without following the situation closely i would say that like in general my approach to things like this with regards to the credibility of claims of mental health crisis um I think there's a, a far wider array of things that could be construed as mental health crises than we normally accept as a society. Failure to cope with ver- all kinds of situations and and orienting ourselves to, to those failures with with, a, with an eye towards how like what sorts of resources someone needs in order to perform effectively is the kind of shift we probably need in our society in order just to be healthier. A healthier society you, know, if you look at things like you know gun violence and interpersonal you know domestic partner intimate partner violence um even just like work stress and things like that um i mean yeah i think a lot of it require, requires some systems change for coping with really toxic systems but also um showing more compassion for and uh with that um providing more resources for folks that are going through it in a variety of ways. I mean, this person is, you know, they're fucking negotiating basketball contracts or whatever. Um, he's in a probably better situation than most, and so I don't have the most empathy a, for that situation. Say what?
0: Situation. I say he's in a very,
4: very good situation. <laughs> yeah. But I don't doubt at all that he's going through something mentally. This sounds like it would be really fucking aggravating to Yeah, I, go I don't through.
0: Doubt, I don't doubt that. I just think it's I guess it's the, the optics are kind of hard to escape. You know what I'm saying? That's just what it comes down to. That it's like th- there's no way of getting in anyone's head, but it's just, it's unavoidable to, you know, oh, you were having this problem with wanting to be on the team for the last five months, and then yesterday, you're, you you mentally can't do
4: it. Yeah, I mean, I think that creating a culture of compassion and, um, well, uh, and resourcing our communities effectively to a, 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 like t- resourcing our communities effectively to help folks cope with mental stress and emotional stress. Let's talk more about mental yeah, health like, after the I joke. I mean, yeah,
0: we don't we don't need so we're, we're talking about a dude trying to hang on to a something. Oh, I was gonna say. Dollars. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I,
4: mean, I think I think that creating a more compassionate culture and better resource communities for coping with um, mental stress also enables people to be more honest about it. Like. I would say that like, oh, perhaps like the standalone like, oh, I'm having some mental health you know, problems. Like, I don't know to what degree I believe that. Um, but but if you were to be honest about, hey, this situation has been very stressful for me and is negatively impacting my health. Um, I think if we had a culture that validated folks when they came yeah. forward to speak about the true nature of what they're going through internally, um, we'd have fewer disputes over like, is this real or is that real? Because people yeah. could just be honest about, yeah, look, I know this is kind of some fuck shit. However, I am going I t- through it for these reasons.
0: I totally agree, and and you know, it's like, what is worse, the opposite, or, you know, what 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 seems to be because co- if if the situation is people are more empathetic and compassionate, you know, what I'm saying and open to understanding what other people are going through and shit like that, and there are people who want to take advantage of that who slip through the cracks of that. It's still a better situation than a society where nobody wants to hear hear it. No one cares about your feelings and fuck you. You know what I'm saying? Deal with it. Don't be a big baby.
4: Right. Yeah, we're going to get into um, all things mental health on this episode. I would like to add a content warning. We do have some discussion of um, suicidal ideation, things like that. But I hope that we have a lot of resources here as well for folks that resonate with some of what we talk about. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
5: Visit com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime Annual Plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.
1: Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
4: And we're back. And we're going to start off by talking about um, Ghetto Boys' Mind Playing Tricks on Me, which I imagine um, many of our listeners are familiar with released July 1st, 1991. Um, they talk a lot about paranoia, like staying up at night, seeing people in your room, being constantly on edge. And according to the Mayo Clinic, it sounds as if the MCs are describing symptoms of post-traumatic, distru- post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, from recurrent unwanted distressing memories of a traumatic event, upsetting dreams or nightmares about the traumatic event, trouble sleeping, overwhelming guilt or shame, always being on guard for danger, and thoughts of suicide um, yeah. All sound like you know Textbook symptoms of PTSD And they're not the only rappers to talk about Suicidal thoughts In addition to the Biggie song by the very name Lil Wayne opened up in 2017 About his teenage suicide attempt Which he had previously branded An accidental shooting So apparently when he was 12 years old He shot himself in the chest um, And said oh it was like a You know he mishandled the gun or something like yeah. that But you know in an interview, uh, came clean that his, I think his mother had uh, threatened to take his music career away or take away his dreams of rapping. And he thought that without that, you know, he couldn't, he he didn't want to live anymore. And he actually rapped about the incident on his 2015 track, London Roads, from the album Free Wheezy. Miss Cedar, I remember going in your gun drawer, putting it to my chest, missing my heart by centimeters, oh Lord, like talked about it. Openly I mean, see, in his music. I didn't even
0: I didn't even know that. I'd heard that story before, but I heard the accidental discharge story. So I didn't even... Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. He later came out and was like, actually, you know, this was a real attempt um, at taking my life. Sadly, twelve years old.
0: So according to the CDC, uh, rates of depression and anxiety leapt upwards for young folks between ages twelve and seventeen, increasingly so in the last two decades. Stories like this are why the Garrett Lee Smith Memorial Act was signed into law October 2004. It was the first legislation to provide funding specifically for youth suicide prevention programs. Under this legislation, funding was set aside for campuses, states, tribes, and U.S. territories to develop, evaluate, and improve early intervention in suicide prevention programs.
4: But, but where do these symptoms come from? Like, why? 12 years old, why is Lil Wayne going for the gun drawer? Why? Like, what sorts of influences in the lives of folks like Ghetto Boys lead them to create a song like Mind Playing Tricks on Me?
0: Definitely it's like nurture and environment. You know what I'm saying? It's like, like we were just saying, it's like there is a natural stress that comes to living in a capitalistic society. It's just built in, you know what I'm saying? It's it's built in, it's a dog eat dog. Everybody's in constant competition with one another. So you've got that base level stress, but then you add on conditions that make it even the compound on shit. So when you have a lot of cats that are coming from difficult circumstances, whether it be economic or maybe it's high crime areas. They don't have the, Im- the influences and mentors and adults that are around them that they need and shit. And then they think that they're just going through life regular because this is how it is. But in actuality, yeah. people aren't supposed to be living through that.
4: Right. <laughs> you know and I saying? think that right. I think that comes that we're going to circle back to talk more about uh, stigma as a barrier to accessing mental health care in a bit. But I think that's really more the case than anything is that it's the normalization of of trauma of just like oh everyone's like this everybody you know feels this way, and then you actually find out wait y'all don't think about this stuff y'all don't lay awake at night you know with your finger on the trigger like y'all out here living happy lives I thought everybody felt this way because we don't talk enough about mental health um for, you know people afraid to come forward to, this, to when they're struggling. Or, you know, they don't even know that they should talk about it because they think what they're experiencing is perfectly common and fine.
0: So I, I have a question and I, I'm sorry if this comes off insensitive or, or not because, like, I've definitely dealt with my issues before and I've had thoughts and all that sort of thing. But I just wonder, is it, like, determined that all, like, all attempts or thoughts of suicide are related to mental illness?
4: Yeah, uh, like I think the, the, so. I mean, I can't... The, I, I can't speak from, like, a clinician's, like, perspective. Like, how they formally categorize things like that. But this... I definitely think that's not normal. (laughs) I definitely think that's, like, a sign of... um, Maybe not a mental illness in terms of, like, something um, diagnosable. Like, would they even,
0: like, determine that, like, somebody with a, like... Chronic illness or something like that who doesn't want to feel the pain anymore? Would that still be, like... You know what I mean? Like, if you if you you with with guidance and clarity you probably wouldn't be thinking that
4: still that's a good question that's a good question i mean if it's a, a reasonable at times a reasonable response to adversity with you know thinking about like terminal illness or something like that perhaps we're diving into in a future episode because i'm sure there's some research out there on that topic that might be really illuminating um Coming back to the conditions we live living through, man, I mean, like, in addition to folks like, you know, the Ghetto Boys the Lil Wayne at, at a young age, seeing, seeing like, physical violence in the community, seeing people get shot or losing a parent, either to incarceration or to community violence, I think that there's a lot more trauma in the community than we realize that has grown from systemic forms of violence. So the trauma of hunger, of being hungry every day, and, and the precarity of not knowing where your next meal is coming from housing precarity, like not knowing where you're going to sleep at night. If your family is like moving from you know house to house, shelter to shelter, hotel room, staying with aunties and uncles, things like that. Um, Economic,
0: like have, having, not, yeah. if you've got a family and you've got like $400, only $400 in your bank account, that's fucking stress.
4: It's stress. It's stress yes. and it, you know, it lends itself to, it lends itself to substance abuse. It lends itself to um, just poor coping mechanisms of many kinds. It lends itself to um, behavioral disorders, I would say. Um, You know, there's this saying, hurt people, hurt people. And this is actually something I've been studying as I've been thinking about public safety interventions in the community. Um, One sort of model that I've been really interested in recently is the the cure violence approach to disrupting violence in the community, which takes an epidemiological approach to um, understanding violence in the community. So it's, it's, they sort of think that like um, violence is like a virus that when you're exposed to it, you can then, you then are more likely to um, transmit it to other people by then doing acts of violence. So hurt people hurting people. And so they um, you know, um, employ or this program cure of violence, they employ violence interrupters who act like contact tracers in a certain sense. Um, identifying folks in the community who have been impacted by violence and who are thus at risk of transmitting violence to other people, and they halt community sk- spread, just like with COVID, wearing a mask or social distancing, by encouraging mitigation strategies. Um, um, these folks they connect people who have been exposed to violence with healing resources, so that they don't keep the cycle going. So um, thinking about it, just like you know, just like COVID, just like any other virus, where. Um,
0: like any na- any other, like, national <laughs> health crisis. Any
4: other, yeah, been. I mean, like, public health at large, um, you know, the fabric, the strength of the fabric of the community is such a determinant for its health in so many ways. But um, so, thinking about, about, like, okay, how do we disrupt cycles of violence by, like, halting the spread, by, cut? you know, interrupting, you know, cutting off somebody before they... out and hurt somebody else by helping them heal from the trauma that they have um, they're carrying with them as a result of violence exposure from the past
0: so uh, medical hypotheses about what causes ptsd
4: yes let's talk about where like what people think this is coming from
0: some say it could be a survival mechanism intended to help us survive further traumatic experiences for example, flashbacks many people with PTSD experience may force them to think about an event in full detail so you're better prepared for if it happens again. The feeling of being on edge, hyper arousal may have developed to help you react quickly to other crises. As a result of neoliberalism, commodifications of basic needs, food, housing, education, and cycles of community violence without adequate healing resources in the communities, we leave treatment to the jails.
4: Yep. So it's like, oh, well, you ain't got nothing to eat. You ain't got nowhere to sleep. You ain't got nobody to talk to. Um, but we do have jails. Mm-hmm. And You're so homeless, that's where home, homeless, jail, prostitute, making money, selling your body, you know, not hurting nobody. jail, still some Slim Jims from the 7-Eleven jail, um, which all of these things are driven by these, you know, lesser spoken of forms of trauma that some folks experience from very early ages uh, within hip hop communities. So the National Alliance on Mental Health reports that two million individuals with mental illness are booked into jails each year. Nearly 15% of incarcerated men and 30% of incarcerated women have a serious mental health condition. And that rates of mental illness in persons in jails are three to six times that of the general population. In 2018, the Washington Post reported that 1,165 civilians had been fatally shot by police, 200 of whom were confirmed to be mentally ill. Um, a statistic then um, is that people with untreated mental illnesses are 16 times more likely to be killed during a police encounter.
0: 51% of state prisoners with mental health disorders are incarcerated for nonviolent crimes. Higher in certain parts of the country, In this study, those with mental health diagnosis jailed in King County, Pinellas County, Washington, more than 65% of them were minor crimes of survival.
4: So, yeah, I spent some time talking about like cycles of violence in the community, but even, but it's even petty shit. I brought up the example of someone stealing a Slim Jim from the 7 Eleven, which is like, but which is still landing people behind bars because we don't have, because we don't. We don't read signs of of be- Behavioral Malfunction if you want to say As as something to be treated Something that's requiring Some sort of mental health intervention And said like you broke the law So we're going to throw you behind bars
0: And then another thing that we're not even Like dealing with is Y'all motherfuckers know what jail Does to you
4: she does like, not make you better?
0: Hell no. So if you are going they're locking you up for said slim jim, that's a fucking traumatic event that if you were fine beforehand, like if you really just wanted a slim jim and didn't want to spend a dollar 59, then they lock you up. Even just getting booked for some shit like that is a traumatic experience. Being in hold in a holding tank is a traumatic experience, for, you know what I'm saying? So all this shit contributes to it.
4: Right. And so we re-traumatize traumatized people who are going to get out and do what? Continue to act out because they've been traumatized and not adequately treated for their underlying causes of behavioral dysfunction. Um, To look at a concrete example of the sort of link between um, defunding of social services and expansion and reliance upon um, prisons for mental health treatment, quote unquote. Chicago's Cook County Jail is the... Biggest single side jail in the United States and one of the biggest mental health care providers in the country. About a third of the jail's 6,000 or so inmates have been diagnosed with a mental illness. And many of them were sent to the facility after the state reduced funding for hospitals and community-based outreach during the economic recession of between like 2008 and 2012. Um, in those years, Illinois slashed one point, or no, excuse me, not one point. Oh God, this is even worse. <laughs> 113.7 million dollars from its budget for mental health services, causing at least two state-operated inpatient facilities and six clinics in Chicago alone to close. And with fewer services available, more people struggling with psychoses have been pushed into the streets. I think, and I, I think this is both in terms of not having beds to sleep in and pushed into the streets with regards to criminality. Um, and these data mir- mirror national trends between 2009-2012. state state legislatures around the country cut 4.35 billion dollars in services for people with psychiatric problems even while the need for services increased (sighs) so that explains the fucking music bro (laughs) like goddamn we got niggas out here shooting killing each other going to jail for it being re-traumatized with that experience getting out doing it again All because, you know, there's this tight link between uh, commodification of basic needs, privatization, uh, expansion of jails, and just creating and sustaining the cycle that we're we're hearing and talked about in so much of the music. How
0: do we get access to treatment and resources?
4: One side of it is access to treatment and resources. Logic certainly seems to think so. Uh,
0: As you may recall, in 2017, Logic partnered with the National Suicide Prevention Hotline on his song, 1-800-273-8255, one 800 known colloquially as 1-800, uh, which is the number for the hotline. The first hook and verse of the song is from the perspective of someone who is calling the hotline and they want to commit suicide. This is followed by a second chorus where the protagonist ostensibly finds the will to live again.
4: So this hotline that he partnered with is funded by the U.S. Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, which is an agency within the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Um, uh, SAMHSA, I guess as you could call it, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration was established by Congress in 1992, been operating ever since, expanding through some pieces of federal legislation over the years. But in the weeks following 1-800's release, calls directed to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline rose by 27% and visits to their website increased from 300,000 to 400,000 over the following months. Um, the hotline told, I think it was at the Rolling Stone, that they received the second highest daily call volume ever with over 4,500 calls on the day that the song was released so
0: literally you, saved some lives
4: you literally saved some lives I mean a lot of people talk about how hip-hop saved their lives and like I'm one of those folks too I definitely would not be here today if it was not for hip-hop but this nigga out here literally like saved lives like you call this number <laughs> like and like, you know and helped people mean, but that that's the
0: thing you know that's it's the thing that we always it's kind of like a recurring theme on the show is it's like when rappers have something to say and they put it in a song it's i'm sorry it's just more effective than anything you say in any interview it's just that's just what it comes down to you know i mean that's like the power of
4: hip-hop i firmly believe that yeah it gets into your psyche and has this level of credibility that you can't find Even if you go see a mental health professional, like talking to a therapist, that might seem scary to you, but Logic telling you to call this hotline is something that seems accessible and trustworthy.
0: Now we got a British rapper Dave and his debut, uh, debut solo album, Psychodrama which won the 2020 Brit Award for Album of the Year. Now, the album followed Dave's therapy session. He discusses his older brothers and the impact of their prison con- their prison convictions had him, as well as his struggles with mental health and the challenges facing Black working class youth in Britain.
4: We've talked a lot about the environmental impacts on mental health um, with regards to access to resources for stability in the community but the song environment kind of also proves that making it out doesn't necessarily heal trauma or bring fulfillment necessarily
5: let's listen to it real quick Where I come from no class forget truancy we have got now in common Them niggas see a m-
4: so he's talking about you know, he's got the flashy cars and the gold chain, but really what he sees is a lack of self-worth and battle scars, the way that people use these material possessions um, ostentatiously to hide what's really going on underneath. And like all throughout the song, he's talking about kind of like running from your problems by seeking out um, material comforts, be they, you know, wealth, or talk about, you know, having sex with groupies (laughs) or whatever you got to do to like, avoid dealing with what you feel underneath yeah different different forms of yeah dope effectively
0: this is uh, similar to this kind of was the same sort of theme throughout tyler the creator's last album called me if you get lost it was like that same Mm -hmm. concept of i'm feeling sad i'm gonna go buy a car today
4: (laughs) yeah 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 exactly um and then um at the end of the song it ends with a rebuttal from his therapist so the beat drops out and you hear his therapist kind of respond like "Mm." Uh, I can't remember what he says <laughs> um, And then we got, uh, we've got got a number of people who actually talk about um, going to therapy. Aesop Rock and his song, Shrunk, up of his 2016 album, The Impossible Kid, discusses navigating the bureaucracy of mental health care. Um, he starts out filling out a form at the front desk and sitting awkwardly in the waiting room, and then recounts a combative conversation with the therapist once finally in her office. In fact, in the music video for the song, his visit to the therapist's office is recast as like a video game yeah. where he has to beat various bosses in order to get to the therapist, who he then engages in a final boss battle. Let's check out a little bit of that. My medical history is a course at Buffalo, charlatan psychiatry and troubleshooting. So
0: what are the barriers to accessing mental health care?
4: Yeah, well, he talks about some of them in the song, like filling out the paperwork and making sure it's covered by your insurance. And then it's, just, it's simple things like, taking time off work to go to get the appointment Um, and the fear of like when you sit down in that chair in the person's office having to bear your soul it's not an easy thing but there's a lot of institutional barriers in addition to like the psychosocial ones Um, I mean shit some real talk about my own personal experience real quick um i'm on medicaid uh because i don't have insurance to my employer anymore uh i used to have it through the university of Georgia, and um i've been on i've been on like medication for like i guess almost a couple years now for like depression yada 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 yada, yada. um well turns out it's uh it wasn't or medicaid didn't want to cover it and so when I went to just, you know, just go get it refilled a couple weeks ago, they were like, hey, that's gonna be $1,200. Um, as opposed to the 15 I had been paying for the last yeah. like two years. Um, so what? I'm running back and forth between like my psychiatrist and my doctor trying to get the right paperwork, you know, rationing my medication. Cause I, you know, I'm, like about to run out and then running out entirely all while also trying to like have the will to call the psychiatrist back and be like, yo, did you find that paperwork today? Can I go pick up my meds today? Imagining like if I hadn't had social support to like go jump through all those hoops, a lot of people don't. And a lot of people do end up like just ending it. It, Like, like, nah, I can't handle, I can't handle staying on the phone with these insurance people. I can't handle, you know, I don't have the money to like I like I got to the point where I was like I'm about to put twelve hundred dollars on my credit card right now yeah, to really get this expensive. shit because like this is getting really bad. Like imagining the both the financial and the bureaucratic barriers to access. It's not even imagining it. it's like yo, I've fucking seen this shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's brutal. Um so I can totally understand why people don't even want to like not they don't even know what it's like, but they assume it's too hard and don't even well, try to get get help.
0: I mean if I can be candid that's kind of my situation right now. You know, it's like I've... For a long time, I've wanted to talk to somebody about my dad. Just cause Yeah. When I, when my father passed away. I didn't really take the time to process or grieve properly. You know what I'm saying? I just kind of kept going on business as usual. So lately, the older I'm getting, it's like, man, I, I think I should finally sit down and talk to somebody. But because I'm already busy... Like the additional hurdles of like everything that you said from setting it up to, to all to the paperwork, to taking the time off of the things that I'm doing to do it. It's just, it's hard. You know, you know what I'm saying? And like, I have, I have a, a relatively mild case of it. Cause like, I just kind of feel like I need to talk to someone, you know what yeah. I mean? My, my shit doesn't feel like a life or death issue, but there's millions of people who are.
4: Yeah. And, and little issues. I mean, yours is not small. Let me clarify but things that go untreated for a while can compound. Mm. So if you think you, oh, know, I'm handling this well for a while, but you don't actually like process, that shit can build up, you know. Shit. And so something that I
0: wasn't that- rapping, if I wasn't rapping, and not talking to somebody for the last eight years.
4: <laughs> shit,
0: shit,
4: Let's talk about some of the other reasons why people don't um, get help. So we talked a little bit about stigma. Um, which, you know, people are scared of, not like backlash of being honest, you know, being honest with their employer, being honest with their friends and family, being judged for what they're going through rather than supported. And we spoke some as well about the normalization of of emotional, like inner turmoil, the assumption that, oh, everyone feels this way. Um, I definitely, before I started like doing therapy, like thought that I like, oh, the like morbid thoughts I would have or like whatever struggles I was going through, everyone went through them. And then I would like talk to someone. Um, I remember one time I like made my friend cry. I was just like talking. I was like, Oh, you know, I've had this on my mind and that on my mind and not feeling great. And she like sobbed hearing me, hearing me talk about it. I was like, Oh shit. I didn't realize that was that bad. Like those moments where you're like, Huh, wow. This is more severe than I had assumed because we don't, Talk about it. We can normalize it inside. But then there's, you know, structural barriers in addition to those cultural ones. Um, talk about like lack of mental health care professionals in low-income communities, particularly culturally responsive care. So being access, getting access to someone who, who looks like you, who's from your same background. Um the US is facing an overall shortage of doctors, but <clears throat> the shortage of mental health care professionals is steeper than in any other category. Part because um, of low reimbursements from government and private insurance for mental health care. People don't even go into that field because they're like, I'm not going to make any money doing it. Um, Or when they get out, they choose to make people pay out of pocket for their services. uh, Um, Private sector and shit. Yep. So, you know, urban clinics and providers often have long waiting lists. And people can wait for months before they get a basic intake appointment
0: affordability is also an obstacle as well um, things improve with the aca with the mental health parity and addiction equity act 2008 requires insurance groups offering coverage for mental health or substance use disorders to make these benefits comparable to the general medical coverage it required that deductibles, co-pays, out-of-pocket maximums, treatment limitations, and other mental health or substance use disorders related costs must be no more restrictive than the same requirements or benefits offered to other, med- for, other- for other medical care.
4: But even with that, you know... Um, the cost of treatment still often limits people's access to mental health services or knowledge, again, knowledge of the the maze of our insurance bureaucracy. Um, There's the assumption that it will cost a lot. So even when there are like low cost resources, I think, for example, here in Athens, we have this thing called Nucci Space where you can get sliding scale um, counseling, particularly for musicians. um, And a lot of people don't even go because they're just people just assume that it'll cost too much. And they're not wrong because these fucking insurance companies try to gouge you and bleed you dry for everything you fucking worth.
0: Every last red cent.
4: Every last red cent. But it's not necessarily um, cut and dry that healthcare expansion is enough to fix the problem. Listeners of the show know that I'm a proponent of Medicare for all. Um, but in 2008, Oregon, held a randomized lottery to decide which low-income people would receive Medicaid. Two studies um, done in the aftermath by MIT and Harvard found that Medicaid coverage generated no significant improvements in measured physical physical health outcomes in the first two years. But it did lower rates of self-reported depression by 10%. Reasons for this? I think that um, access to mental health care Sure, probably lowered self-reported rates of depression. People were probably also less depressed because they weren't stressed about having health coverage. Yeah. (laughs) It was one less thing to worry about. So like, yeah, I would say I'm happier than if I uh, couldn't see a doctor at all.
0: I mean, I think that's that would be a benefit of Medicare for all as well. Is that, like you said, like just on a massive level, like just that one stress of life could just pluck take that away because everybody knows that they have healthcare. You know what I'm saying? So they yeah. know that if something does happen, they're not just teetering on the edge of collapse.
4: Yeah, and so that's why I even posed the question of whether healthcare expansion is enough to fix the problem. Was ultimately it, when this study kind of proved. I would say, or at least it, it suggests, let's say, um, that when you have less to worry about, you're less depressed. And I think this extends to multiple categories of social need. Um, um, from if you're less worried about housing, you're less depressed. If you're less worried about where you, your food, you're less depressed. If you're happier in your school environment, you're less depressed. So, which speaks then to the need for community-based solutions that get at the root causes for why people are experiencing mental health problem, you know, issues. What about rapist therapy? Rapist therapy. I mean, um, in, the mean ter- in the meantime, until we uh, refund our social services so that people ain't so stressed about various things, leading them to, you know, poor coping of various kinds, we have hip-hop. Um, I definitely found it super therapeutic to rap about various things I've been through, um to both like sort of accept them as like to process them both like just by writing them out on paper, but saying them out loud so many times in front yeah. of like audiences sort of like it's almost like exercising a demon like haha, y'all have that. I, that's not I, you know, I, I'm casting you out. I
0: demon. find I find that like listening to shit too helps me identify stuff.
4: huh uh, yeah
0: years. You know, like hearing somebody else talking about their own shit like it helps me identify oh you know what i kind of feel that way too and then you know that gets the mind going as to what what's the root of that feeling and where it's coming from and stuff like that i mean it's it's kind of cliche especially you know for musicians like oh man this is my therapy band Yeah, right <laughs> you know it's like it's like i need it but i don't know it just it it, it really is it's like for any emotion too it's it doesn't all necessarily have to be negative but even getting out positive emotions and positive thoughts whether it be in rapping or listening to rap i find it can be help helping and soothing
4: and some scholars are starting to take this as therapy thing seriously um identifying a lot of what you know we are talking about right here and thinking about how to um use that in more clinical settings to help folks um the university of cambridge has supported a project known as the Hip Hop Psych Initiative that aims to use hip hop to improve people's mental health and to address issues including stigma towards mental illness and the lack of diversity within the psychiatric profession.
0: In their article on the topic, the co-founders gave the example of Juicy by Notorious B.I.G., which he dedicated to all of the teachers that told me I'd never amount to nothing, to all the people that lived above the building, that I was hustling in front of, that called the police on me when I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter, but goes on to describe how he has become successful. Super
4: Nintendo, Sega Genesis, when I was dead broke, man, I couldn't picture this 50 inch screen. The co founders point out similarities with positive visual imagery, a technique investigated by Professor Emily Holmes' group at the University of Oxford. Um, this technique is a form of therapy in which the patient is encouraged to use the power of their imagination to help them through difficult times, including things like depression or bipolar episodes. And so they then um, seeing some of these similarities uh, thought that by integrating hip hop into psychotherapies, they they um, could re- refine their tools as psychologists to make them more relevant to their users. I mean, this,
0: th- listen they could have used a bunch of examples for that same exact point other than juicy i mean the the first popular successful rap song literally is that the sugar hill gang hip hop hip hippie to the hip hop hippie you don't stop i got a link continental you know what i'm saying yeah like, yeah like those guys were rapping about that before they had any of that stuff and it was because it was empowering to them you know what i'm saying
4: Yeah, and so like they're identifying these copes that we just organically have in the community and thinking about how to, you know, perhaps augment them with other aspects of psychotherapy in order to help people in a culturally relevant way, where it's like, yo, sitting down on a couch in an office talking to some white lady in a lab coat does not sound super healing to me. But when you bring these things in that do resonate with people, it helps make therapy more accessible.
0: Now is there any sort of like downside or negative to this? Because I just I just kind of feel like if if the if the constant thing then is to attribute like material gain and wealth with you know, if that's the cope and that's like all it is, there's no other exploration of or I don't want to say there's no other exploration, but just in terms of like when when hip-hop is dealing with, like, positive reinforcement on this level, it seems to be, like, almost always in terms of, like, well, you could be rich and it would be better.
4: Yeah, I mean, because of the society we live in, it is often tied to material gain. But I think you could... um Recast uh, the use of positive visual imagery to really mean lots of different things. Like, um, like you know, I, make, I
0: called my mom the other day, and it really made me feel good.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I went for a walk in the park, and it was dope. Play b ball with the cat. Or you think about, you know, um, it was a good day. By Ice yeah, Cube, yeah. Well he's yeah. talking about, you know, what he had for breakfast, drive around the city, didn't get shot. Has sex with a beautiful woman, the Goodyear blimp, and it reads Ice Cube's a Pimp. Like, just, you can imagine all kinds of things. Yeah. If you have this creative outlet in which to put those imaginings. Yeah. Um, if you have that sort of like um, context in which it's relevant to like channel it as opposed to, you know, just thinking in your own head. So I think I think that, yes, it is shaped both by um, corporatism and the music industry. It, which itself is shaped by living in a capitalist society. Uh, but it doesn't have to be like that. You can use the positive vi- visual imagery to talk about any kind of stuff that you want to actualize, I imagine.
0: So in closing out, if you or anyone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts and or distress, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is available 24-7. And that's at 1-800-273-8255. Don't
4: forget. But um, as we end today, let's circle back around to Mind Playing Tricks on Me.
0: All right, we're going to get into that. That's going to be our music discussion. I know we had like music playing all throughout this motherfucker, but like (laughs) this is going to be the actual music discussion. So we'll be back with that after the jump.
5: Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.
1: Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the Everyday Guy. dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
0: All right, we are back. I've been waiting to get in this easily one of the most famous songs in hip-hop history. We are talking about the 1991 song Mind Playing Tricks On Me by the Ghetto Boys, Bushwick Bill, Scarface, and, oh my goodness, why am I brain farting?
4: Oh, <laughs> why am I brain farting and forgetting so the
0: Ghetto Boys? No,
4: you didn't. I forgot his name too.
0: <laughs> Ghetto Boys. Willie D. Willie D. Willie motherfucking D. Yes, yes, Willie D. Willie D. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. All right. Um, so... Minds Playing Tricks, 1991. It is off their album We Can't Be Stopped. And the lyrics, like we said before, they describe mental anguish, the exhaust of life as a gangster, including deal with symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, paranoia, suicidal and suicidal ideations, and loneliness. It also samples "Hung Up on My Baby" by Isaac Hayes, just to give you, you know, some little some stats about it. What else we got? Oh, Rolling Stones ranked this as the fifth greatest hip hop song. Of all time I have no idea How they determine that But it sounds right That's
4: good I'll take it <laughs> Yeah I'll take Um, it. And Scarface Who incidentally I think we've discussed Previously on the show I think Rand For Houston City Council
0: Yeah he did He did
4: Last year Maybe a year before that
0: Another but, thing um, people Don't know about Scarface Is Scarface plays Like every instrument on some Prince shit. Oh, word? Yeah. Like he, as a matter of fact, like if you were to go see a Scarface show in 2021, it's probably him in a jazz band with him playing the guitar, looking like fucking BB King and shit like for real. But that's a sign.
4: Learn something new every day. <laughs> something else I learned today is that Scarface's grandmother is credited for the song's title. Um, he told. She told MTV, um, It was a strange way of how he came about it. I come through the room and I think I was just kind of mumbling to myself and my lips were working or something. He said, Mama, what are you talking about? And I said, oh, nothing. My mind's just playing tricks on me. And I didn't have no idea he was going to go out and be making a song about it. But indeed he did. So thanks, Grandma Scarface.
0: Man, I wish I could share those warm stories about the conversations that me and my mom had that inspired me to write a song because it's, it's not as heartwarming as it's not as heartwarming. <laughs> um gangster rap may have been uh, this is a quote from npr about the song gangster rap may have been america's nightmare in the 80s and 90s but it was also america's creation there's a post-traumatic stress that comes along with being black in this country it's almost part of your inheritance And the feeling was compounded by the crack era, by the war on drugs, by over-policing and mass incarceration. This was an era when it wasn't at all unusual to hear young black men referred to as an endangered species. And the worst of it, we were being told that we were the ones that should be feared the most.
4: Day by day, it's more impossible to cope. I feel like I'm the one that's doing dope. Can't keep a steady hand because I'm nervous. Every day morning, I'm in service, praying for forgiveness and trying to find an exit out the business. I know the Lord is looking at me. But yet, yet and still, it's hard for me to feel happy. I often drift when I drive, having fatal thoughts of suicide, bang and get it over with, and then I'm worry free. But that's bullshit. And he goes on to talk about how I think his daughter needs him, his family needs him. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of this of exactly what they're describing.
0: I would doubt that this is, like, the first rap song to deal with the subject matter, but it definitely was the first popular song that I, you know, that I can recall hearing about the subject matter. And then again, you know, I think I was, like, only, like, five or six at the time or something like that. But yeah,
4: I mean people talk about like the message, I think yeah. as another one, but this one really gets into like the, like deep the, the, like characterization like the, the, the,
0: the message is more like about the condition. And I would this say This is like more like its impact emotionally. About, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I mean it, it, at a time when you turn on, you know, if you if you could just <laughs> teleport yourself to back then, you know what I'm saying, if like you're turning on MTV and shit like that. You're seeing Snoop Dogg, G-Funk era, Low-Rod, you know what I'm saying? Dr. Dre and the Chronic, Ice-T, NWA. So for the Ghetto Boys, not only to approach the subject matter from like a different angle and talk about it's like mental health impacts, but then also to be Southern MCs in doing that, that was big, that was big.
4: So in closing, once again, if you're struggling out there, don't hesitate to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline 24 hours a day. 1-800-273-8255. And I hope, you know, as well, you can find some therapy in the music.
0: Bushwick Bill, rest in peace. Rest in peace, Bushwick Bill.
4: You feel, you feel like rapping?
0: Yeah, I feel like rapping. Hey, uh, Joel, Joel, one of these days we're going to have to let Joel talk. <laughs> okay. Let's get the rapping.
4: The taste of fame was the uncaging of a parakeet that had dreamed of freedom, but had never made a choice before. Forsaken therapy is blander than a can of camper juice. Who needs a therapist when they're paying me to stare at me? And here's the kicker, kiddo. Thank you, Pitchy nickels for flipping riddles, but you're still a sicko. She could get it in contests and win awards. Still want to stick a sword in the end the minute she got stressed. Get an image on the billboard. wizard and film scores kind of shit. A bitch should kill Bill Forbes, so she's not impressed. For the building at the More Jimmy Rigg, refrigerated hot mess, swimming in a figure eight, infinitely underwhelmed, tempted by the trigger, click, Ultimately hung itself. Hey! I'm Lingua Franca.
0: And you have been listening to Waiting on Reparations.
4: See you
0: next week. Like, subscribe to five stars. Peace. Waiting on Reparations is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.